Welcome to On Living, The Trauma and Beauty of Being Human with Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Have you ever asked yourself what it means to be human? What does it mean to be fully alive? What does it take to love, to really connect with another human being? How do we fully engage with and honor the humanity in us? It's time to really talk, listen to, and connect with one another. Come join in the conversation with your host, Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Good morning, everyone. This is Leanne Nguyen. Um, I'm joining you a little bit uh, late today because, well, this is real life. <laughs> we, had, we were having a little bit of technical problem. Um, and uh, my guest is somewhere else, uh, and I'm here in the studio. Anyway, welcome to Voice America. Uh, welcome back to the conversation about, um, you know, what it means to be human, what this whole business of living is about. Now, you and I, we've had a wonderful few months of, of intense and, and really surprising uh, encounters, conversations around this topic. And I realized lately that the, the, the question that I pose for the show has slowly evolved into, you know, a, a different question, you know, related with different question, which is what does it mean to live with, with purpose, with light? And you all have been listening um, and, and must probably have realized that my view is that life wounds us, you know, that and through the wounding, life shows us the way to the lesson that we need to learn, to the light, the offering that we can be guided by. And through the wounds uh, that we each suffer through, we find the answer to who we are, to what our life can behold what it can be about. So my perspective, which I'm often reproached for, for being so negative (laughs) and tragic, is that being wounded is inevitable. We all suffer. Uh, Among other things, there's also joy, there's also beauty, but it's to be found. It's not... um, It is our birthright, but we are sometimes blinded to it and we have to find our way to it. Life does not spare anyone. Uh, And there are lessons that we each can and have to learn. The answers about our time on this earth that we each have to find our way to lies in the living, the finding our way to the light. And what I have learned, which I'm trying to share with you on this show, is that these treasures of self-discovery and self-transformation are often earned through the struggling, the coming to terms with our wounds. Because I follow that quote by the prophet and poets, um, the Sufi poet Rumi, the wound is where the light enters. The Buddha said something sort of related, which is that suffering is intrinsic to human existence. And his teachings point the way out of that suffering. But on this show, at least at this point in my thinking and and in my conversation with you, I'm talking more about a way in to the suffering, a way into and through the wounding that we meet in life. And that way is this. Each wounding is an opening, an offering. When we are dealt a blow, yes, something gets torn apart, something gets unraveled, but there's also an opening. We find out something, something about life, about people, about ourselves, and growth and transformation can happen from that opening. If 
we have the courage and the skillfulness to behold it, and if we have the support of fellow human beings. A lot of people call me up, you know, and ask for help with the question of how do I find purpose? How do I make my life meaningful? You know, how do I live the life that that I wish for? How do I find myself? So they're talking about purpose. Now, I talked about this notion at length, you know, for a couple of four episodes um, earlier in, in, in the summer, you know, how to find purpose and also what is purpose? What is this notion this experience, this sense of purpose. Uh, I found out that it, the word purpose comes from the old French word propose, propose. Life is constantly proposing, making proposals, offerings to us. And the shape, the course of each of our lives is a function of what we each make of what life proposes to us. How we say yes to it, whether we say yes or no and how we respond to it. And in turn, we ourselves are constantly proposing, offering ourselves to the world, to others, to life. That's human nature. We're constantly doing something, saying something about ourselves, you know, in order to make something happen, to communicate something. So the question is in the intentionality of our proposal to the world. What are we proposing of ourselves? What do we dare to propose to others around us? How do we embody, inhabit, live out what we have decided to propose to the world of ourselves during our lifetime? So my perspective on suffering, on being human, is this, that when life cracks us open, instead of falling into the crack that the wound creates, instead of collapsing, and resolving to turn away, to shut down, we can look into and through the crack of the wound toward the light at the end of it. There is a light within the terrible question, the terrible knowledge of each wound. So instead of asking, why me? Why is this happening to my life? Why does life do this to me? I'm suggesting to you that we can ask, what is life proposing to me? What am I to know about myself, about my life from this experience? How can I lean into this opening of hurt, of fear, of wants, of hopes? And how can I make use of the knowledge that is being proposed to me by life at this point in my life? And then ask yourself, not how can I get over this, but how will I use this knowledge? What of myself do I want to propose to the world from here on, from this place, from this experience? And to me, that is living with purpose. And that is what I would like to explore um, at this point in the show. So last week, I talked to a woman who had lost her child to the opioid epidemic and found her purpose in the process of mourning that terrible loss. You know, losing a child, Bearing one's child is, is to me, one of the most uh, terrible, uh, heartbreaking things that a human, especially a mother, can endure. So Suzanne Himke and I talked about what she did with that loss, how she found her way to the light from that. Now, next to losing a child, I think that losing your life, not literally, but losing time, losing the time, the opportunity 
to make a life, to build a life for yourself is a terrible thing as well. And that is precisely what happened to my guest, my friend today, Jeff Deskovich. He, um, in a previous episode which aired in May this year, he told us his story um, you know, the story of, of losing 16 years to a wrongful conviction, how he went in uh, prison, an adolescent, really just as a boy, a child, and came out uh, a grown man, at least chronologically. But much in between had been arrested, interrupted, and, and even stolen. Um, so Jeff talked about that terrible experience uh, a, a few months back. But today he has graciously agreed to give me his friendship once again in, in making the time uh, to talk with me about how he came to terms uh, with that terrible wound. Um, but I don't know. Has he? How has he? <laughs> anyway, Jeff, welcome back to, uh, to, to Voice America. How are you doing today? I'm I'm good. Listen, I'm free. The sun is out. There's no not a cloud in 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 sight. I can feel the sun on my face. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Is that all you need? Is that all a man needs? <laughs> no, in the larger sense, no. But sometimes, uh, some, so it's a great. Well, let me say it's a great start. And assuming ceteris paribus, you know, everything being equal, sometimes that's. That's all. Sometimes that's all you need to be to be happy if other things are in place, depending on what other are, other external or even internal um, circumstances are. Uh huh. Well, you know what you are saying is what all of us, I, I would bet, would agree to. You know, we often talk about that. You know, it's 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 great to be alive, and that's all we need, and so on. But I would imagine that um, you came to that knowledge the hard way. So I, I'm wondering. Here's a very broad question, you know, but you can uh, you can break it down with me. When you were in jail, was it a great college for you, in terms of understanding what you need? Yes. Yes. Right. But so yes. so tell yes. me more. Yes, it is. Yeah. So just appreciating the small things. I mean, the absence of things often helps people to appreciate the presence of them. So, for example, in prison, obviously, you cannot be outside or, you know, feel, you know, when you're not in your cell, you're actually outside to even feel the sun, the fresh air, you know, that that's regulated and controlled. It's not, it's not, you know, so that led me to appreciation of that. You know, the the small things that many of us um, take for granted. I mean, the the many years of deprivation of that, and then, uh, you know, I'm kind of an introspective, oh, well, I'm, extra, I'm an extrovert, but I'm also, I do a lot of deep thinking, and so the absence of those things help me to, uh, you know, appreciate those things that most of us take for granted of, uh, mm-hmm. take for granted. Even like freedom of travel or, you know, not having somebody supervising of us, um, of, of having many options uh, in, in, in life rather than limited to whatever programs the 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 prison offers that happen to have an an opening at that point in time, so mm-hmm. those things it was it was a it was, it was an education for me that way. But then also I read a lot of nonfiction books, and those were educational. That kind of woke me up to do more deep thinking as well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So instead of I mean, you went in when you were uh, what sixteen? Instead of running around in shopping malls and you know running after girls, you got to to read great literature. 
<laughs> I'm looking at a silver yes, lining here. Yes. No, listen, it's fine. It's fine. Listen, gallows humor a little bit, but laugh at life also because it's over. So no worries. Yeah, yeah, I was arrested at 16. I got bailed out. I, I was convicted at 17. So I was in continuously from 17 to 32. But yes, instead of going to malls and chasing girls and, you know, doing other things that teens do, I, know, I, was, I, was, reading, uh, I was reading deep books. Yeah, for sure and law work and everything else. But yeah, I had to deal with very many adult topics. And I feel like, you know, just being, being free for the last 12 years, I mean, it is a rat race in many respects, especially if you have any ambition, if you want to make a difference, if you want to be somebody rather than to just be interchangeable with virtually any other uh, face on the street. You know, it, 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 there's a rush, and I found it hard to read books. And so I know that uh, since I've been home, so I know that a lot of people, I've read more books than what somebody typically would have read at my, at my age right. as, as a result of, you know, the increased stimuli of the world. Right. And it's good that they made, uh, you know, books available to you. I, I, oh, you know, they haven't. Sure. Yeah, that was invaluable. Forget about it. It would have been a total waste then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right, right. Well, I want to go back. Let's make a note about this notion of, of rat race and of, uh, you know, trying to catch up. But you said something, uh, you mentioned the word freedom that I want to, to pick your brain about. You said that here now, out on the outside, you have freedom. Um, the first question I want to ask you is when you were back in there, how did you find the freedom because you were you know did you were you able to find your way to some to some way to exercise your free will to to find some kind of freedom during those 16 years uh, absolutely my, the, my my freedom was freedom to make to what well, freedom of what actions I wanted to take on a day-to-day basis within the framework limitations of the prison, uh, mental choices, like how I wanted to spend my my free time. Like, you know, did I want to waste time reading novels and, you know, magazine articles about nothing, or did I want to read some deeper uh, literature, you know, uh, self-help books, books on relationship, books on politics to understand the world around me? So there, there, there was that. Uh, freedom meant uh, when we did get televisions in the cell in 1998, uh, for the most part, my TV stayed off, but there were certain programs I watched every year. So that was a freedom of choosing, you know, I'm going to set my own uh, schedule, freedom of uh, I made the decision that, you know, I was not going to conform with the environment. I mean, I was aware of the prison culture but I never adopted it as my old. So I, I felt like I retained a certain freedom in the sense of uh, not to lose track of my humanity, my in touch with my emotions or, you know, the, the, I wanted to hold on to my original perspectives and not let it be blinded by external circumstances, which can lead people to make things that are not important, uh, become important. So for example, sometimes people, uh, uh this bench is for this section of, you know, group of people, but in reality, that's not important to hold, try to hold on to, but some people made it important. They made, you know, uh, the jailhouse politics or silly things in there important rather than big picture. So I found freedom of, I guess, finding routines and trying to do things that I felt were productive is the long and short of my answer. Hmm. At the time, you didn't know that you would be released, right? Did, did, I mean, you were fighting well, hard, but what, did you know? No, I what? knew one day before I came out that I was coming home. I was fighting hard. You know, um, you, for me, fighting hard 
and also, you know, praying, it's hard to do those things without having some hope, you know, and the hope becomes almost by means of survival, having to believe that you're going to come out. But that's a, that's a shade or two lesser to me than knowing you're going to come out. Um, so, I mean, I had the hope, not the knowledge, for the first 11 years, and then the next four years where I wrote letters rarely getting responses, I mean, I certainly didn't know then. I mean, I knew for sure that I was going to come home a day before I did because the lawyer came and told me that. But even with that, uh, when the lawyer told me that I was afraid something was going to happen between the time that she told that to me and the time of my court appearance that something would happen and, and the, the district attorney would change her mind. So I, I really never fully knew with certitude at any point, no. In fact, when I went to the parole board after 15 years with my appeals having been over four years ago, four years of writing letters but never getting answers and then being turned down for parole, I felt confident at that point. I almost knew at that point that I was never going to get out of there. I was going to be, I was going to die in prison for the crime I didn't commit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to break in in uh, about 30 seconds. So I just want to throw the question at you and then we'll break and you can have some time to reflect on that, you know. But the notion of of hoping, you know, well, well I want to know how did you hold on to it? You know, how, how did you cultivate that sense of hope? Because that's in a way, in a sense, that's what we all have to do. You know, out here or back in jail or living with a terminal illness or, you know, with a terrible job or in a bad relationship or whatever, we have a limited time to be alive. Some people are oblivious. Some people are convinced that things will never change. <laughs> Some people, you know, walk that fine line of, of holding on to hope in the face of, uh, not, you know, not knowing. So I want to know, think about it and tell us, you know, how you held on to that, you know, through all of these uh, rejections and, and, and t- being turned down on appeals and so on. Okay, so uh, we'll come back, folks. Don't go again. Bye-bye. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world, across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now, there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. 
We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, before we broke uh, for the break, I was asking Jeff to reflect on and share with us about, you know, that 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 effort, that process of holding on to hope. And this is a question that I think is really important and maybe useful for all of us. Um, I had a listener write to me a, a couple of weeks ago, um, thanking me for the show and and asking the question of, you know. Two men go through the same terrible thing, basically, and one man comes out with a sense of decency and purpose, and how come the other man comes out, you know, with hatefulness and despair? Um I would like, you know, I think that question will probably occupy me until, you know, my 80s. (laughs) But Jeff, did you see that process? You know, you were surrounded with, you know, other fellows in the same situation, right, of of, of a life sentence. Did you see how other people manage that, that, that effort compared to your effort? Sure, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, some people didn't manage they you know one person uh you know some people didn't well some people one some people managed it in destructive ways so uh there were people who used to you know get self-medicate through through marijuana uh, others you know turned to psychotropic medication which mm-hmm. uh and then one person actually committed suicide so it was the ultimate not not dealing with it mm-hmm. um other people they they found routines they found things to throw themselves into mentally they kind of like made like a mental niche and so most of their life took place in their own mind with just certain limited physical activities you know so a lot of people turn to religion and belief in god in whatever form or faith that might take so i I saw people deal with it that way and some people uh, look for comfort in false groups and false people to associate people Mm -hmm. who are on a negative path of life Uh, what did you do Go ahead. Me, I so uh, I got through it through. Uh, belief in God was one thing, and and part of that though is I mean I needed to believe that in the end, you know that uh, I felt like I had to work hard to try to get out of there. But that if I did so, that at some point along the line, God would help me. So that was part of it. Uh, studying the law, writing letters, doing things that could potentially be a solution to my issue. It it gave me some hope and a sense of empowerment, and consequently, those time periods where I didn't have things that I could do to try to, where I was at a loss for ideas, it, those parts were, those periods of time were harder because the other times I, I, I felt like I was still on my feet, metaphorically, like I was still fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that sense of of, of 
can we say a purpose that was what mobilized you every day correct you had something yes. to live for mm-hmm. Cor- yeah. Cor- yeah there was something there was something to so to extrapolate from my particular situation to apply it you know broadly like what we're talking about um, I, I think that um, I think that a key point of keeping up morale bullying spirits bullying spirits finding a way to move on if, if there's moves or items that people are doing to try to improve the current intolerable situation of whatever nature it is, then I think that's a key to getting through that difficult time period as opposed to not doing anything. I feel like doing nothing uh, can be destructive. It leads to, you know, morale and going low, depression, hopelessness, helplessness, and more thoughts of suicide. Mm -hmm. So... What I extracted from what you said before, before we broke, you know, in terms of the decision that you would make each day, basically it was a decision about how you want to be, how you want to live each hour, each time period. So to consciously ask yourself that question, right? How do I want to be? How do I want to use this time? What about vis-a-vis people? Was that, um, was that a choice that you had to make also? About about uh, the part you said about people. Repeat that part. Did you have to make a choice constantly about how to be with people? Yes, yes, of course I did. Sure, yes, uh, yeah. I used to study people way? and people. I, I I would study people from from afar. How did they spend their time? What did they? What were they doing? And what people were they on? There were some people that kind of had, and again, I believe that these can be extrapolated and generalized, like we're talking about, people that have like, that are on a destructive path or that have some, like, storm cloud above them that it's pretty clear that they're going to self-destruct, and those people stay away from. The whole goal is to not let them bring you down when they eventually, you know, do self-destruct, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. there's, but, then people, but then people who are of, of a like mind, they're trying to better themselves, better their situation, those are the people to gravitate towards, and then there was the ambiguous people that fit neither of those, and those you I dealt with from like two two or three arms length away in very limited, manageable sections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I want to add one more thing, though, that just struck me to, um, to, 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 to say. I, I feel like I also took some solace in um, I, 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 making... I made decisions to stay true to myself, you know, amidst everything else, just, just being, being somebody ethical, I, I'm just making ethical decisions and just being able to say, well, you know, no matter what happens, at least I can say to myself, I, you know, I, I was true to myself, I was true to my values, and that helped me a lot also. Mm. Okay, I, I just want to pin you down on it a little bit more. You were, you came in still a kid, unformed in a way. Right. So what does it mean to stay true to yourself? Who was that self? How did you know your values? So was that the 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 the, uh, the the education in jail? Did you find yourself there? What, what do you mean to stay true to myself? All right. So what I mean by that, what I mean by that is, as time went on, I started to develop myself just through taking college classes, a few, a couple of which, like one of a couple of which were required really deep introspection and answering myself questions. And then mm. in the course of, and then from there I started applying that to myself in general. But again, I'm talking about now my early twenties. I'm not saying that between years oh. 17 
and 20. I'm talking more like years 22, 23 forward. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so that's what I met. Like, I had people offer me, hey, listen, we're, you know, we got some jailhouse wine. You want a drink? Look, you, you want marijuana? You know, uh, uh, you, you know, or, or invite me to get involved in things that weren't good, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, so I made the decision to reject those things or just like when there were, you know, different points in time when at times people would say disrespectful things to me and the prison survival ethic mind frame was that those type of things are supposed to be met with a violent response in order to maintain right. self-respect and dignity. But I rejected those decisions knowing that I was going to be scorned by the greater population for not responding that way. But I took heart that I'm staying true to myself. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, attack somebody because they didn't uh, you know, pay me back some 3 or $4 item that I originally took, you know, pity on them and lent to them in the first instance. Mm-hmm. Because something else was more valuable, was more important yeah, yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. my own F, my being true to myself was more valuable. I'm not a violent person. I, I, I reject violence other than as a defense tool when someone's attacking, you know, me or, or defending other, other people just as, as, as a generic principle. Mm, so that was mm-hmm. part of being true. That was part of being true to, to myself. Um. Did yeah. you, it's a stupid question, but uh, worth asking, how, did you hate the people who put you there, dishonestly? Did you, how, what did you do with that, with that hate towards your persecutors? Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I really, really disliked them a lot. Yeah, I, you could say that. I don't know if the word hate ever entered my mind, but yeah, I guess it was <laughs> Jeff, Canada, it's so, funny. So, yeah. What do you mean dislike? Sure. Dislike is like, you know, I dislike my neighbor, you know, who doesn't recycle. No, well, but I felt a lot more energy than that. I felt a lot more energy than that, uh, uh-huh. so, to be to be honest and clear. Um, but, I mean, but that, but for the most part, my focal point more, though, was on the people keeping me there, which was the district attorney's office and the courts with all these repeated, you know, uh, unjust decisions. You know, so I, I, I was focused in on them rather than the people that sent me in in the first instance. And, mm-hmm. and then I was too busy trying to get, get the heck out of there and focus on efforts than that. I mean... You know, rather than making the focal point of disliking the, you know, hating the people that put me in and keeping that what's in front and center of my mind, that wasn't going to get me out of there. Mm-hmm. Trying to trying to figure out how, how to convince the courts I was innocent and find the right matrix of, of law and, and, and thinking about new ways of, of, of finding evidence. And that, that, that's a solution to my issue rather than uh, hate of people that put me into the situation is what uh, was the key for me. Okay. Well, it it uh, what you're saying kind of I, I'm using it to uh, to reinforce also a point that I often make with my uh, patients, you know, which is to to not stop at just the fear, you know, or the anger or the hate. Use that as a map, you know, to what you really want to do, to what you need to do, to where you want to go. You know, turn to worrying, for example, like, oh, what if this and what if I don't do this and that? What if it turns out to be wrong? Use that 
you know, to turn that into into a plan, into a map. Well, let me say this. Let me say this about that. I agree with you totally, and here's what I do in my personal life that to act to act on that. So, um, I take the energy I would otherwise feel about what happened to me, and I channel that into the advocacy work. And I, you know, I, I you know, I, I want to free people. I want to make policy changes. I want to fight wrongful conviction. So I, instead of focusing in on on, on disliking. You know, hating people, whatever. I focus. I use it. I channel that energy in a positive way to making a difference. So, and and I want to be a lawyer and and help people. And so I, I do it that way. And another aspect of that is even in law school. I mean, I've made the dean's list the last two semesters. I'm, I'm in my third year. Uh, two semesters left. I'm always afraid that I'm going to fail each and every class. But that mm-hmm. leads me to. Uh, that leads me to spending an awful lot of time preparing. I use that worry, I use that fear to to drive uh, preparation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Use it as an ally as opposed to a victimizer. Correct. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, well... My sec, I said that you know I had a couple of questions about the notion of freedom. So you you talked about how you found or held on to that in jail. So out here, presumably, you know, you, we, each of us, presumably, we have complete freedom. I I am so curious in in how you experience the freedom out here in the so-called free world because I don't think. Some people told me that in a way it's much harder yeah, to exercise to your freedom, freedom out, out here. here. Well, mm-hmm. it's harder in the limited sense that you, you have to make choices about what you want. You have many more options to choose from. And I think that, some, right. I think that a lot of people, myself included, sometimes uh, a paralysis or inability to choose and therefore inability to move forward can happen from the increased freedom out here. Mm-hmm. But the way that I deal with that, though, is I try to carefully consider options, but that helps sometimes. But if something's unclear, I mean, it's unclear. But I, I consult with a lot of people, you know, not, not formally, but just informally and, you know, ask other people. I try to tap into the thought processes and perspectives of other people that I respect that have some intelligence or that have some uh, formal education or that have some similar life experience who have been down a path that maybe I'm considering as just one of the options from what mm-hmm. there is to choose from. So that's part of it. I mean, I, I, I sometimes write on a piece of paper, you know, uh, different options and do pros and cons to, to do uh-huh. like a, a compare and contrast. So, I mean, that's certainly a tool that, uh, that, 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 that can be, uh, that can be done. But I also want to say this too, though, um, you know, there, there's no physical prison in the world, right? So you're not in a cell. There are no, no, you know, jailers. Or, you're not, you're not controlled externally, but it's not a complete and total freedom out here either, though. Right. I mean, there's, there's ways, right. I, I, I mean, there are limitations. I mean, you, you're not free to travel the world, right? If you want to, you no one's going to stop you, but there are prerequisites to it, right? The passport, the financial means, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, just like some people, you, know, you may, you may, if you, I, don't, I don't think that you're totally free. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, I don't feel like you're totally free because if you decide you want to go someplace and visit somebody or, you know, do one action or another, you might be limited by, by what your financial uh, ability is, um, mm-hmm. depending on what relationships you have. Um, you know, other people can be obstacles. So, um, like some of the, some of the 
uh, people I socialize with, they're not always free to go to one event or another because they have other obligations to third parties, whether that's the other significant people they're in relationship with or their work obligations. Or I'm often not free um, to come and go as I want because I have external commitments that I've made in the furtherance of my advocacy. Right. Well, and also you probably, you know, now you have to struggle with time in a whole other way. <laughs> you know, oh, you're yeah. not having yeah, enough time. Yeah. Right, right. And I feel changed to going to the, the, the campus to attend the classes or the homework and stuff. So right. it's not a total freedom out here. Right. But listen, it's it's a lot better it's a lot better than what I was. So I I feel like every now and then to try to help myself keep perspective, I think about the circumstances from which I've come and I compare it to now and I uh, say to myself, Well, you know what? This problem I'm having, these problems I'm I'm experiencing, this situation is better than what it was before. So in a sense, it's a great problem to have. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, you mentioned all the ways uh, that, that we may not be free out here in the free world. There is one other prison, one other chain that you didn't mention, but it's implicit, which is, you know, the the, the internal prison. Right. You know, how just, I, I, I would invite you and anybody who is listening now, you know, today, between now when you go to sleep, count up the number of times that you yourself and the people you encounter say, I can't. Right? It's fascinating. Right. And, right. and maybe because it's the nature of my work, but everybody that comes in to see me would just say that all the time. No, I can't do that. I can't afford to change jobs. I, I can't say that to her. <laughs> you know, I can't be that I, way, I, right? That's great you said that, because the comment I want to add is I think that uh, sometimes we're not free because we're, uh, our fear, our fear of going from something that's stable and known to changing to something else that's not stable, but that is, is, would be more pleasant if it worked out. Uh, so I think that sometimes we're, we're, not, we're not free that way, or we're not free because we want to stay only with what we know. You know, root, 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 routine grows on people, but it can stagnate also. Right. We are afraid of, of losing what we have, even if what we have is really very flimsy or very unsatisfying. And, and that's sort of, that's the, the, the irony, you know, of the prison that we build for ourselves. Um, let's break, let's take another break now. And um, in our third and last segment, we'll talk more about finding purpose. Okay, we'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world. 
across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. All right. Hello again, everyone. So, Jeff. This notion of finding purpose, you know, that's, that's what I'm trying to offer in terms of answers to the listeners about how to find purpose. Do you have a recipe? I'm sorry, repeat that, please. I, 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 just repeat <laughs> I was sorry. being cheeky and said, do you have a recipe for the, the, idea, the, the thing about finding purpose? Because that seems to be such a common ailment, you know, these days. Uh, we were speaking yeah, before the I, break. I think I do. I mean... I mean, some people, I mean, if you're afflicted by something, I mean, would you, I mean, asking yourself the question, would I feel passionate if uh, about um, addressing this issue for other people or, you know, uh, I'm doing some work in this area? I mean, when I say for other people, I mean generically across the board. I don't mean for, like, for individual, like, people. Um, so that could be one thing. But another thing might be, I mean, not, not, not every passion or purpose has to be based upon something that you've experienced yourself. It might be something that, Somebody, uh, something somebody feels um, strong about. So mm-hmm. I mean, asking yourself, what 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 do you feel strong about? What do you feel passionate about? Um, uh, about about doing, and of course, of necessity, that means something meaningful. It doesn't mean um, uh, something that just would be uh, uh, you know leisurely. Like for example, mm-hmm. I once uh, had a couple of days where I thought. You know, it would really be fun and cool to have a career in Las Vegas as, uh, as, as, as a card dealer, you know, at one of the gambling things, you know, but that would have just been, you know, or, or it might be fun to, you know, own a nightclub or something. But that, that would have, there's, there's no meaning in that. There's no difference in that. That's just fun and folly. And I feel like life should be of, of things that are more stellar than that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I said in the intro, this, this notion about uh, purpose as, um, you know, what life proposes to us and to have the, 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 the wherewithal and the courage, really, to say yes to that proposal. You know, your life yes. proposed something really hefty to you. Yes. 
I believe that um, making um, I, I, I believe that it's better to take a chance and chase a dream than to not and but not and not not but not not be satisfied but stay on something that's uh, perceived as safe, even if it's it's, it's flimsy. It, it's better to try and fail to try and wind up failing than than to not try at all. Just like uh-huh. I think when you're in the middle of it, I, you know, I think adopting the mindset of like failure is not an option is similarly important. You know, being proactive, working, looking for solutions, uh, realizing that your goal is the goal. You might, it's important to map out a plan to get there, but the plan itself is not the goal. So I believe it's important mm. to be flexible enough if a different route to the same goal presents itself than, than being willing to switch to get to the goal through another route. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I have this sense, I have this fantasy that uh, you were not like this before you went into jail when you were 15, 16. This not. attitude of, right, that I will not be defeated, I will not be hampered. Uh, right, uh, probably from. No. Uh huh. Is there like. So, so what, what's the motto that you live by? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, so, look, I chase dreams. That's part of it. Uh, number two, uh, failure is not an option. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what that means is that I'm going to go all out. I'm going to be extreme. I'm going to put in maximum effort at, at, at attaining the goals that I that I that I that, that I've set. And and, and even at, at, at if I hit five walls, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look for the I'm gonna look for still more ways of, of, of getting there. I'm just not going to give up. Okay. Because you don't want to be back to, to that place. Often, well, I got to that place because that, that's how I survived prison. That's how I got back out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I must have failed at four, you know, I mean, to the extent that I've written hundreds of letters, you know, and then appeals and this, that, I mean, I, 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 I must have um, kept going after maybe three, you know, more hundreds of failures. But I, but mm-hmm. I didn't give up, and and, mm-hmm. and so I've uh, taken that ethic with me from from prison to out to um, to out here. And part of how I'm able to keep going out here when it comes to goals is, and you're going to laugh at this one, okay? Sometimes <laughs> I'm afraid to give up. I'm afraid to give up because I, I because it always comes from the back of my mind to the forefront. When I'm on the precipice of giving up or quitting, I then become afraid that. You know, maybe, unbeknownst to me, this is the very moment. Maybe this is the breakthrough moment. And if I would have just continued, did just a little bit more, maybe I would have broke through. But because I quit, this is how this ends. You know, this is, this is uh-huh. how this ends in defeat for me. And so I, okay. I, I'm afraid to quit and give up. I'm afraid mm-hmm. because of that. Because what if I did just a little bit more? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's kind of like, uh, again, I imagine, uh, you know, the story of like life showed up, you know, at your doorstep and threw you in jail and said, you didn't do anything wrong, but here, stay put, right? This is your life. What are you going to do about it? That was the terrible proposal. And you in turn figured, you took on that proposal and figure out what to do about it. Right. Figure out, you know, how you can work with it and solve it and get out of it and turn it into your own life. 
which is to to uh, what what is your life about now? You, I'm going to let you say it. Yeah, to my, my 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 life is all my life is about, my life is about fighting wrong. My my life is about fighting wrong as far as about fighting wrongful conviction, making a, you know preventing them and 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 freeing them. And, and and within that, I consider that that it's about making a difference, but just in that particular area. Mm-hmm. See, that's another thing too. You know, a lot a lot of people say, and and with with a lot of validity, you know, uh, you're only limited by your imagination. Don't put limits on yourself. Yeah, that is very true. I believe that. But I also think that at the same time, it's important to stay focused on just a few things that you can manage, rather than uh, ra- ra- rather than spreading yourself way way too thin. Uh, it, it is impossible to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how close are you to finishing law school? I have two semesters left. Okay. And then so you're going to be one of May. you're going to be one of those ambulance chasers. Uh, absolutely not. No, <laughs> no. I'm going to I'm going to free more people. You know, I've already helped free seven people through my organization, the Jeffrey Duskovic Foundation for Justice. But I want to free more people. I want to do that as a lawyer, though, and I want to yes. help people get compensated. But I, I have I, I have no interest in in chasing ambulances or doing other types of cases. <laughs> but see, that's kind of an example, though. You know, um, you know, like there, there, there's meaningful work in the law when it comes to personal injury. I mean, people falling off of a scaffold or doing, you know, getting hurt in one way or another through the negligence of others and helping them get compensated, try to be made whole, deal with their medical injuries, set up the rest of their life. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's meaningful work in those other areas, but, you know, and, and certainly those people should be helped. But I, I can't, that's not the part for me. That's not the part that I'm most... I can't be all things to all people. That's an example of me applying that principle to limiting the areas of the law that I want to practice in. You know, just just criminal to free people and the civil rights on the compensation side. Yeah. You you mentioned we freed seven people. I should clarify for people that you you founded, you you formed uh, an organization, the Jeffrey Deskovich Foundation. You want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I started the organization five and a half years ago. Uh, I was financially compensated for the 16 years in prison that I that I um, did, and um, I suddenly, with amount of you know, suddenly with funds that I never thought I would you know get, I committed a million and a half dollars to start the organization to reach mm-hmm. back for the men and women I metaphorically left behind who were wrongfully in, in, in prison. So I, I, I launched the organization, you know, with that amount of money and. Our purpose is to free wrongfully convicted people and to prevent that from the wrongful convictions from happening in the first place through pursuing policy changes and public awareness. Right, right. And and the foundation is strong and thriving and run on volunteers and a couple of professionals. And I imagine people can get involved. People can people can get involved. They can email me through um, uh, the website, deskovic.org, D-E-S-K-O-V-I-C.org. We're always looking for volunteers and interns. Um, we're looking for, um, you know, additional, we're looking for board right. members, advisory board members, ambassadors. We have a crowdfunding site. We're looking to take viral, so we need people to help us spread the word. Uh, with that, my crazy dream is, imagine for a second 25,000 people who could afford $2 on a monthly recurring basis. I mean, would give us one right. heck of a budget to hire still more people to free people. But 
lots of ways for people to help. Maybe they have a talent or something. It doesn't have to be in the area of law. It could be, and maybe someone's an accountant. Maybe yeah, they're good yeah. at improving websites. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. it could be someone who 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 writes articles or is involved in media in one way or another and gives us a little bit more exposure. So lots of room to um, for people to help in various yes. ways and means to that are open to them. Right, just like in life, there are lots of ways that you can be and and make a difference and and propose to the world. Uh, before we close, I, I want to ask you, and it can be experienced as as a uh, an unfair question, but what's the one thing that 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 you want to have that you don't now yet? A much better, a much better social life. Well, stop I working so much. More- <laughs> that's part of it but another part of it though is that I mean I do have points in time where I'm free you know and it reaches a point in time at, you know each night weekends you know where I do reach a point where I'm arm free um, not every night obviously but, but um, sometimes and you know to find people who have uh, common interests in me you know socially you know is uh, as proven to be uh, a challenge and uh, you know, the the my dating life is not what I'd like it to be either. But to have someone who can change genres of activities, like maybe one time we, you know, we go to uh, a gala, a fundraising dinner, and then we change clothes and go to a nightclub someplace. And then the next day we put on shorts and we do some kind of um, energetic activity that results in us getting full of sweat or getting dirty. Then we laugh at each other. We laugh at we laugh at each other. We experience mm-hmm. new things and try new foods and go new places. And, you know, to me, that's how you experience what the world is, you know, but, but you know, without people to do it with. Yeah. Um, well, you are, you are talking it, 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 about, you're talking about another thing that I talk a lot about on the show, which is connection with other people. You know, that, that's one of the fundamentals of, of, of life. You're talking about finding a way to connect uh, with yes. people. And in a way, that's the ultimate beast that we all we all have to slay. We all have to conquer. <laughs> and that's the ultimate prize that we all want, you know, love and connection, you know, with, with another person. Uh, listen, Jeff, I unfortunately have to stop now. This is uh, the, you know, we, we're not totally free of time. But um, every time that I talk to you, you know, think about your life, I keep thinking about this line from a poem of my one of my favorites, and I want to share with you, you know, Raina Maria Rilke. And he had a poem that um, one line of it says, and this reminds me of, of, of your journey. Uh, how did it say? Let this darkness be a bell tower and let you be the bell. You know, as you ring, what batters you becomes your strength. That's you. Yeah. You, you are uh, the bell. We all are the bell. It's just a matter of letting the bell ring forth, you know, <laughs> from within the battering yeah. of life. Okay. All right, my dear friend. Um, We're going to part now. Goodbye, everyone. And um, I will find you again next week. Okay. Take care. Thank you for tuning to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human. Please join Dr. Leanne Nguyen again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And enjoy being alive.